Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, here in our Charlotte studio, joined by Dale Jarrett, the NASCAR Hall of Famer, here to talk about the dirt race at Bristol Motor Speedway, second straight year that they've done this, DJ. I want to start with the winner. Definitely want to get to racing on dirt, because <laughs> I know you've got some thoughts on that. A lot of people have thoughts on that, but I want to start with Kyle Busch. He wins for the 60th time. This one's historic for another reason. It extends his streak of seasons with at least one win. He's now tied with Richard Petty. But Kyle Busch, unquestionably, DJ stole this victory, and uh, <laughs> he admitted it as much post-race. He opened the media center session by noting that chaos ensued, I guess, and then we were able to uh, make it through and Steal a win, back into one. Referencing something that he had said earlier this year at Las Vegas when Alex Bowman did it. Then he elaborated a little bit further when he was asked about it. Uh, Jenna Fryer, Associated Press. Kyle, when Alex Bowman won in Vegas, you were kind of upset he backed into it. You did use the word when you first got into the media center that you backed into this one. Um, Is there a difference in who backs into it and when and how? I think you take them how you get them. You know, I feel like we uh, ran up front all night long. Um, I actually passed Kyle Larson. Write that down. You know, I ripped the lip, <laughs> as they say, uh, a few times there on restarts in order to get some spots and stuff like that to get us in better positions and to be in contention to be up where we needed to be. So one of, I think the fastest car tonight was actually the 14 car. So again, DJ, this is partly a thing because Kyle when he lost the race at Las Vegas, said that Alex Bowman always backs into mm-hmm. every win that he gets, which led to a T-shirt for Alex <laughs> Bowman. Uh, but I'm just curious, as a, as a Hall of Fame driver who might have stolen a win here or there in your career, does it matter if you back into a win? And is there a difference on how it's done and by whom? Wait, what's your take on all of that? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think that it, it makes any difference uh, in, in the whole scheme of things because I don't think you'll find a record book anywhere that – says anything about how Kyle Busch won number 60. Um, and many other drivers have had good fortune uh, to go their way. And, and and pretty much every driver that's been successful in the sport at some point in time had the, the bad side of that happen to them, that they were either knocked out of the way, something broke on you know right at the end of the race, whether it was the last lap, and, and allowed someone else to win. So you feel like that if you're fortunate enough to stay around and and get one kind of handed to you. Yeah, you know, I won't even say it has to be handed to you because I think you know what Kyle Busch was has been alluding to with Alex Bowman. It's been a strategy play. Whether it's two tires to get track position, no tires. You know, they they take some chances and it, and it's worked out quite a few times. And he does. And I'm speaking of Alex Bowman. Does a great job of driving the car in those situations and, and getting the most out of it to, to be able to get those wins. So, yeah, it, it works both ways, and, and you just hope that at some point in time for the 
things that go against you, you, you feel like as a driver that you're repaid somewhat there. And, and uh, I, I'm sure that you know, it probably wouldn't take us long to think back of a few times with Kyle Busch, whether it was the pit crew or – and it wouldn't take long because we could ask them because he usually <laughs> says something about them. But, um, you know, and, or, or just something that, that right. has happened, you know. He did run extremely well. Looked like he was going to be a factor late in the race. Uh, I, I think that – uh, the longer run there at the end got him. He might have backed into one, but it was the backing into turn three by Chase Briscoe that allowed him to win. So. <laughs> that was what allowed him to win. I'm going to get to that. But you did touch on the other part that I wanted to get to about Kyle Busch, which is that, yes, this is what he's about. He's kind of got this persona of you know being the lightning rod and playing the villain a little bit. I think if you look back at Alex Bowman, we probably could agree that maybe Martinsville last year might be an example of you know when he spins out Denny Hamlin and wins yep. the race. That might be an example more of backing into a win. But I think you're exactly right. I mean, Richmond last year, it was a strategy play with tires. Las Vegas, they win the race because they play the cautions perfectly. And it came at Kyle Busch's expense, which obviously yes. is why he kind of reacted to it the way it does. So, I mean, is it fair to criticize Bush a little bit at all here for a lack of consistency of like on one hand, yeah, this is cool. I'm going to take it. This happens versus uh, that guy always does it. Or is it maybe that it happened to Bush at, at Vegas and Bowman's last win kind of colors that a little bit? Yeah, I think probably a little. I mean, you, you don't really know or think that that's going to happen for you yeah. on, on the good side, you know, because you, you don't. You don't go to, to races thinking that, well, if I can have some good fortune or somebody can have some misfortune here late, I might can get a win here. So you, you really never are thinking about that. Uh, you're just trying to win any way you can. But when it happens against you, it, it's easy to say. That's the way drivers are. You know, they, they forget kind of what you said that may have started something on the other side. But then whenever it comes your way, you're glad to take advantage of that because these things are hard to come by. And... You know, for that to be number 60, I don't look at it any different because he was going to get number 60 and he was going to continue his, his streak, which is phenomenal this day and time, anytime. You know, I thought it was phenomenal that Richard Petty was able to do it uh, for 18 years, I believe it is. Yep. And um, uh, for Kyle Busch to be able to do that, uh, it, it's just amazing and a true testament to his abilities for so many years. I think it meant something to him as well, because even though dirt racing isn't a huge part of the cup landscape anymore, even though Kyle Busch is one of the, I think, detractors he was a little critical of it going into this race. He's a student of history. I think he appreciates the fact that he now has a win on yeah. dirt yeah. like Richard Petty mm -hmm. had wins on dirt. Yeah, and I think it, you could tell in his interviews that that, that kind of meant yeah. something to him, that, hey, I've won on this uh, in, in pretty much every configuration that they've had here and, and uh, able to, to get it done. Uh, maybe not in his most dominating fashion, but uh, a win is a win, as he said. It is, and as you said, DJ, it comes as a result of Chase Briscoe attempting to pass Tyler Reddick on the last lap. I uh, want to dissect all of this, but let's we'll start with Briscoe's move. Was that an attempted pass, first off? <laughs> that's, that's what I want to get your opinion okay, on. Okay. <laughs> Certainly. Well, I'll give him credit, and I'm sure you agree. Like the last 20 laps, he does a great job chasing down yes. Reddick. And yes. this is after you know the first stage, he has the tire problem while leading, mm -hmm. and he comes back from you know maybe having a car that's a little bit beat up. So he did a great job chasing down Reddick. But I think it would be kind to describe the pass <laughs> as uh, overly optimistic. Uh, it was certainly a desperation hail mary, and Briscoe was apologetic about it. He described it as the last lap. I knew. I was going to be close, I felt like, on the white flag. And then when I got off the two and I was almost running him over down the back straightaway, 
I, I wouldn't have been able to go to sleep at night if I, I didn't try to throw a slider right and just follow in seconds. So, you know, I, like I said, I hate that I got into it. That's not how I want to race. And Briscoe also said, if Tyler would have went to the top, I maybe would have cleared him. So this is why I want to bring you in on this, DJ, because, I mean, I know you're not you know, a huge dirt racer, and this might underscore my lack of knowledge and understanding dirt racing, but I thought Tyler Reddick gave him enough room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I mean... Three maybe, lanes? Yeah. <laughs> it seemed like enough. I mean, maybe I guess I don't understand it, that when someone attempts a slide job in dirt racing, I guess the natural inclination is for the leader to back off a little bit. And, yeah. And I guess Briscoe thought Reddick was going to do that, and he didn't. Um, you know, what did you make of what Briscoe did? reckless i mean that's the only way that i can put it i mean he did not he did a great job of running tyler reddick down i think he clearly had the the better car at that point in time Uh, and, and i think a lot of that was because he had a little better tire with that but he also had probably the best car the majority of the day in Chase Briscoe, it looked like. I think he probably passed more cars than anyone else there. So he did a fantastic job of getting himself in a position for all this to happen. But making that pass was always going to be the most difficult part of this because he could run to his bumper a couple of times and he could see he would overdrive the corner a little bit trying to just do something, you know, whether he could just get to his back bumper and, and upset Tyler Reddick a little bit. But what he did on the last lap, I'm not a fan of whatsoever. It, there, there was no chance, even with the, the little bit of a run that he had, Tyler Reddick gave him plenty of room. I don't know where he thinks that Tyler Reddick was down on him, and I read that whenever the notes from Stuart Haas came out last night that he said that, and, and it really kind of took me aback that because I went and watched it a few more times, and at no point in time did, did Tyler Reddick crowd him. Matter of fact, Tyler, I think, didn't – he probably knew what was going to happen when he was trying to distance himself, but it, it wasn't going to be he, – he didn't need to back off. I mean, obviously, if he would have backed out, he could have just crossed over because Chase Briscoe was never going to make that corner. And uh, the only thing that kept him out of the wall was Tyler Reddick's car. And uh, I, I, I don't like – I know that the dirt enthusiasts out there say, hey, that's dirt racing. Yeah, yeah, we see that on asphalt. I saw Carl Edwards do it at, at Kansas with Jimmy Johnson, and, and we saw just recently with uh, Kyle Larson, you know, trying to make something happen at Darlington with Denny Hamlin there and, and trying to just, you know, do whatever it took there. But, it, but in both cases – the the leader was never taken out that leader went on to win the race and uh i I think that's the big difference here is that i i appreciate making an effort but taking the the leader out in that situation and and it's even to me it's even worse yet that if you're going to take out the leader you don't go on and win the race so uh, that that makes the and there was no chance he was ever going to win the race anyway not not with the way he went in there but but trying to say that that he got you know, that he would, didn't expect Tyler to hold him down. I, I don't know what he would have expected of, of Tyler Reddick. If he was holding him down, that wouldn't have been a wrong thing to do, uh, knowing that uh, that he couldn't get by in that way. Yeah, and again, I'm not a dirt race expert, but from what I've seen of slide jobs and, like, sprints and midgets and just those open-wheel cars, it does seem like they drive past the leader into the corner yes. and then slide up. And yep. then I don't know if the leader is backing off or is anticipating that and knows that there's a crossover potential. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, you know, Briscoe and Reddick, they're both dirt racing backgrounds. So maybe Briscoe thinks, oh, Reddick knows this is kind of how it works on the dirt racing side. But as an asphalt guy or as a, a stock car guy, I mean, should the, the rules of another series, I guess, or another form no. of racing even be applicable? And not no, really. But, but, no, yeah. but even if, I, I just don't know why he would have expected to think that, 
Tyler Reddick was going to back out. I don't care if you're yeah. on dirt or whatever you're on. Why, why is the leader of the race, who has the preferred line, why is he going to back out at that point in time? You, at, at, not even as far as Chase Briscoe drove the car into that corner, at, at, not at any point was he ever ahead of Tyler Reddick right, to, right. to even begin to get to a slide job. So yeah. uh, it just, you know, it, it was a... I understand the thinking. It was just terribly wrong and and, and mistimed. You know, I said this a couple of weeks ago because we were having a discussion about Ty Gibbs in the Xfinity series and his uh, little run-in, uh, if you will, uh, which I didn't see much to it, at, at Richmond uh, with John Hunter and Emichek. And I said then, I always want to see how, when you're put on the other side of that, how do you react? So... Chase Briscoe's going to find himself in that position of being that leader. See how he handles the, the situation uh, of being the one taken out uh, from a win. Because everybody is, to use Ty Gibbs as an example, like I'll go to Martinsville and say, like, I think that he was raced at Martinsville based on the way, way right. he raced Nemechek at Richmond. Mm -hmm. So there'd probably be repercussions. People look what Briscoe did here. And even though there's no more dirt races, yeah. they still think, well... Maybe Fly I can race jobs happen yeah, you know, exactly. on asphalt, too. Yeah, just certain places that it's more of an opportunity for that to happen. Well, perhaps even more surprising than the move itself, DJ, was the post-race scene. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think we were all expecting a fight, especially given recent events in NASCAR. Even Briscoe said he was ready to get punched uh, when he went down there to Tyler Reddick to apologize. But yet we see this very sportsmanlike greeting play out between Briscoe and Reddick. There's no anger at all. They just shake hands and barely even like raise an eyebrow at each other. And Reddick actually takes some blame for letting Briscoe get <laughs> too close. Well, I don't think I did everything right, to be honest with you, Regan. Um, you know, Briscoe was able to run me back down there and I should have done a little bit better job of, I don't know, I shouldn't let him get that close. You know, he ran me back down, worked really hard to do that. And racing on dirt, going for the move on the final corner, it's, it's everything that you know, as a driver, you hope to battle for in his situation, um, and it made it really exciting for the fans. So it, it it does suck, but we're able to finish second still. And if I'm being honest, you know, I, I should have done a better job and, and pulled away. So you know, he wasn't in range to to try and make that move. That's how I look at it. And then in the exchange with Briscoe, he says, well, "I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to let you know. Hey, you didn't have the driver on me down. I I kept trying. I was trying it so hard. I couldn't run it any harder." But. It's I'm sorry. Good. I wish you would have won. Needed, I needed to drive away. It, I mean, I let you get close. That's all right. right. I just wanted to apologize. It's all good. <laughs> Anybody, that's fun, though. Until next time. Yeah. And he immediately accepts Briscoe's apology. So should Reddick have found any fault in what he did? Because it sounds like what you're saying, DJ. He gave him the room. There, there was nothing yeah. he did wrong, really, in letting him get that close. You know, the, the only thing yeah, is that I, I won't say that he did anything wrong to allow Chase Briscoe to get in that position. I just think that that Chase's car was a little bit better, and that allowed him to get himself back in that position to to make that that run there on the last lap. I, I you know I know and and I appreciated the honesty of Tyler Reddick. Uh, I've always had a lot of respect for him and his abilities. Um, I found a whole new respect for the way that he handled this situation yesterday, because you know it it doesn't go with what we've seen from a lot of the younger drivers uh, in the sport, whether it be in the cup side or the Xfinity side or the trucks, uh, you know, it seems that, you know, they get pretty upset and well, they should. I think that 95%, if not a higher percentage uh, of race drivers in the NASCAR series would have been upset tremendously by what happened right there, especially going for your first win and, and it being a cup 
win. You know, that there's so many things that go along with that, you know, of getting into the playoffs, and, and it just changes your, your whole season and the whole perspective. And that I, I appreciated the way that he did handle it, that it didn't have to be a fight. Um, I would have liked to have seen Tyler Reddick a little more angry. Uh, about the situation um i know that he understands it because i know that there are certain things that in, in dirt racing that that are different and but not in these stock cars maybe uh is, is does it correlate and, and transfer over to that type uh of racing so um uh but uh, yeah he he took a lot of the you know the blame for just letting him get that close for for that to even be an issue and, and I, I appreciate that part that he felt like that he could have done a little bit more to even make it to where uh, that situation would have never ever happened and, and I can appreciate that just as a competitor yeah it was an extremely classy response and he deserves a lot of credit for handling the situation with a plum but uh, to your point he's going for his first win and it's not only the driver involved when you think about Richard Childress racing mm -hmm. and that isn't a team that's had a lot of wins recently uh, it's also the team where Dale Earnhardt made his fame and yeah. I'm, I was struck by when when Reddick and, and Briscoe were kind of uh, hashing it out that the stone-faced number eight team members who are behind Reddick yes. they they looked a lot more unhappy than he did so I'm just curious like you've been there as a driver you're inherently the leader of the team does the team I would think maybe some of them might share some of your views that like, hey, why didn't you really tell that guy <laughs> off? Because yeah. we wanted to be in victory lane. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, I think that you know, they, they felt like that, you know, they obviously did their job of putting their driver in the position. And he had done everything that he needed to do. Why Why wasn't he more mad? Not saying that he's got to be fighting mad. Right. Uh, but, but upset a little bit more. And especially when, because the first part that I really saw of Chase Briscoe coming into the scene there to where Tyler Reddick was, that he was almost laughing and saying, hey, man, I'm sorry, you know, I, yeah. I, you know, I didn't mean to do it. You know, I, I was going to spin out anyway, and I was just hoping I wasn't going to hit you. Well, if, if you, you know, you did. And, <laughs> yeah. and so that, that would have made me even more angry that the guy is walking up, that he's just taken away my first win, and, uh, you know, that he's kind of, Want to make a laughing matter of it, which is it's not a laughing matter. I mean, it's a it's a, a big deal to to win these races and 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 to say that you won uh, on the dirt there. And uh, again, Tyler Reddick did everything there, so I would have liked to have seen that. And you know, I can remember back a couple of times in one of them being at Martinsville to where you know my crew uh, wishes that I would have moved another driver out of the way, and I had the opportunity in the last couple of laps to to bump him. But I, I tried to do the right thing and just make a pass. I always said anybody can knock somebody out of the way. I don't care who you are. You know, if you've got a fast enough car and you've run them down, you know, you can get to their bumper. And, and you know, we've all put a little bumper to people at some point in time. But but on that last lap to just go knock them out of the way, you know, I, I'd seen people do it. But I said, you know, I'm going to try to make my past the, the way uh, that I think that I can. And, and then that driver actually almost ran me into the wall coming out of turn four at Martinsville. So um, I, when that happened, I wish that I had have gone their route. But, you know, my, my crew was actually a little upset that I didn't. And, of course, they couldn't be upset with their driver for what you know, yesterday for what Tyler Reddick did or didn't do. It would have only been for not being more upset about the situation. Yeah, there was nothing he could have done in the racetrack. No, not in at instance. all. Uh, how do you set things right with your team, or do you? Or is it just what you said? You just tell them, like, look, I'm, I've got my own code of ethics, and yeah. that's how I'm going to drive. And I think that's a you know, good explanation. He showed that, you know, and that, that's the way that he's going to go about it. And you have to appreciate that. I mean, he is so very talented. 
many wins are coming his way. Mm-hmm. Um, you just hate to see whenever he's done everything right for the last, what, 80, 90 laps of that race, getting himself in the right position and, and leading the most laps and, and just doing everything that, that he needed to do uh, for that to be taken away in that, in that way. And, uh, uh, but, you know, th- they have to stand by him because, you know, that's the way he's going to race, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, I, I, I appreciate it a lot more than – I think what a lot of other people that maybe are fans now and all they want to see is, hey, if you get to him, let's have a little controversy. Let's go ahead and knock him out of the way. Or, you know, whenever you get taken out, you're supposed to fight about it. You don't always have to fight about it. You can talk. But I I think the talk should have been a little more stern from his side. So no question, a a dramatic finish, nonetheless, regardless of what happened post-race. It's certainly going to be a memorable one that people are going to be talking about. But... I think we've got to talk about the quality of the racing overall and does the dirt race deserve a third shot at Bristol Motor Speedway next year? I I would prefer this to be the end uh, of this experiment. And I want to go back with recent events at Bristol because I thought you made a really interesting point uh, when we did our Motor Mouths call today. In 2007, they added progressive banking at Bristol, which turned it into a completely different track in which bottom no longer dominant. You didn't have the bump and run the the way you had for so many years there. So they made multiple changes to address that. They tried grinding the top, then they added traction compound on the bottom. But as you noted, DJ, no one seemed to be complaining about there being only (laughs) one lane for a lot of the race. And I guess that's just sort of how dirt racing is. And that's what people are good with with Bristol is that is that kind of how we read that I don't know I don't know how you could just be good with it whenever it's that's considered not good racing when you have the concrete surface that is there yeah uh, but it's okay because it's dirt that that should I would think that they were adding dirt to make this something different and it really to me wasn't anything different than when we had single file racing around the top and and Honestly, it wasn't much different than single-file racing back in my day when it was still asphalt that you raced around the bottom of it uh, a lot of the time. And so that just allowed you more opportunities to maybe bump some people out of the way, and there was more contact there. But but it just seems that that this was accepted because it was dirt. And I know that the – I I think – I was going to say the rain affected it, but I think that except for the first maybe six, eight, ten laps after those rains that – uh, it seemed like the track was really slick. That once that once that went away, then it was back to just the you had to be in the top, and and making a pass on the bottom was very very difficult. You had to have a much superior car, and, and so there wasn't that. But you know, Chase Briscoe, you know, passed his way up to that. But um, it, it just seemed like that, you know, the things that we'd been complaining about and trying to have something different for the fans ended up being the same thing it was just on dirt and and i i don't have a problem with the the cup cars racing on dirt i think it needs to be done and it's just nothing against uh the people at bristol i I appreciate their efforts i know it's a huge effort and you know they run a lot of races there for over a month and you know a a lot of exciting racing so it, it opens up opportunities there but i think that these same things if we want to run a dirt race let's go to a dirt track and have a dirt race there's plenty of really good dirt tracks out there that that we could definitely go have a good dirt race at yeah and i'm in agreement with that we heard multiple drivers speak out and kind of question if this was the right place to do it you know, kevin harvick kyle larson chase elliott among them all of them were talking about this going into the race some after the race you know asking whether more changes were needed like you know can you remove their windshields but i think the overall point that they were making was that 
Bristol Br- Bristol is great as a concrete racetrack. Yeah. And can they run the pavement again? And I just I want to get your reaction to one thing that Kyle Busch said some had some really good points I thought on this post race. Kyle Busch said, but the biggest thing that hinders me from enjoying this is just the application. You know, we're we're trying to do something that isn't applicable in my opinion. I mean, the first 10 laps of the race, everybody's shooting mud off and um you know we're covering everybody's grills our our windshields are covered just with the dirt going off the windshield and stuff like that and you know those guys talk about the windshields and stuff like that if we we get rid of the windshields we could have tear-offs and stuff and yeah that's fine but um the cars are 3,500 pounds and you saw what it's like on the last corner of the last lap to drive around here every single lap i mean you are on edge you are on your toes you are just trying not to crash every single lap where when you're in a dirt car I've now run micros. I've run dirt late models. I've I've been in a few different types of vehicles on dirt, and when there's grip, you're it's grip, it's grip and rip. You know, you are driving the heck out of that thing. Makes you makes you breathe hard. Um, this thing here, you are just not breathing because you're so tensed up of not crashing. So it's just the application. But if it was a good show, it's a good show. I think Bristol's fine with or without. I've won on them all, so I think I have the best say. There were there were some bright spots for sure to the to the night to this race um i don't know if the good outweighed the bad so uh, that to me kind of gets the essence of of this dj of what why i think that that it may have run its course is i don't think this race puts elite cup level drivers in the best light yeah you know you know i i I think tyler reddick chase briscoe dirt guys it's great to watch them like you said briscoe had some amazing charges through the field but i feel like it takes most elite level cup drivers and kind of makes them look more like Xfinity truck level drivers. Those are still good talents, but that's not what I expect to see in NASCAR's premier level. Like I feel like dirt kind of diminishes the greatness of, of NASCAR's superstars. Like to put it in Dale Jarrett terms, it's, it's like asking a golfer to play 18 holes with three clubs and still expecting them to shoot eight yeah. under par. I want to give cup drivers a chance to show why they're the best at what they can do. And I don't know if dirt does that yeah. at Bristol. Yeah. I, I, I can obviously I can't put it the way that you do because you're much better at that. But <laughs> no, no. I think we, I, I think, yeah, you know, it, it was an idea, and it's been given a couple of years, and I, I just think that it's time to say, look, we we have really good. I mean, just think about the night races that we've had recently at Bristol, right, on the concrete surface. Just how exciting those have been, and uh, I just don't know why we would want to take that if they. If they don't want to do two races, and I think that would not be the case, they want to do two races there. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, somehow, if we if we fits, you know, they're just insistent that we they have a dirt race. I say go somewhere else, but let's not mess up a great racetrack. I mean, it's been one of the most exciting races, and it's not like you know, I'm sure it got some viewership last night because you know everybody after a long day of celebrating Easter and being with family, they sat down and were able to see a race. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's just do it on the concrete surface that that is supposed to be run on there. And, uh, you know, the concrete's hard enough as it is. And, uh, I, I, you know, the car's a handful, but it provides great racing. And I think that it's time that we go back to that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even, I mean, you mentioned the, the night race last year was one of the best of the season with the whole Chase Elliott-Kevin yeah. Harvick battle. But even if you go back two years ago, I think June of 2020, and you had the great Logano-Elliott battle toward the end. I mean, yeah. It just, it seems to me like if you've got like a Knoxville raceway out there in Eldora and you want to put your dirt race there, great. But like Bristol has got to be too, 
Yeah, and you know, and I know it's a it's a learning process with it, but hopefully we won't have to do any more learning. But you know, just with with the grills getting filled up with mud at the start yeah. of that race, and and that handicapping, even the pole sitter, you right. know, had to had to pit before that. Um, I just you know, and then having to throw a caution for that. Uh, and I know that they said that if that happened, that's what they need to do. But you know, there's just so many things that these stock cars, the way that they are, and if you're not gonna if you're not going to deviate from the rules too much with it, then the experiment should be over, and, yeah. and we should just do do what what we do. Dirt racing is great across the country, and and it's I grew up going to dirt races with my dad, and and you know loved that, and uh, you know I still like to see good dirt racing, uh, but um, I, I don't think that trying to manufacture something and, and make it a dirt track for those reasons, uh, especially with the Cup Series, is the way to go. Well, it certainly was wild, and I don't expect that the wildness will subside at all this weekend because <laughs> <laughs> NASCAR is going to Talladega Super Speedway. Second Super Speedway races, as they call them, are not really restrictor plate races anymore, but second one of the season after the Daytona 500. What do you think, DJ, going back to Daytona, you know, I was looking at, at the box score this afternoon, and I'd forgotten. I mean, Daytona was pretty normal. Uh, you had yeah. like four multi-car crashes, mm -hmm. despite all the discussion around parts and limited inventories and how we're going to get cars. You think we can expect more of the same this weekend at Talladega? What are you expecting? Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about this a little bit as they got the to talking about Talladega a number of times yesterday, of course, with the interruptions and stuff, and then, of course, announcing that Dell Jr. is going to be in their <laughs> broadcast booth, uh, which took us all by surprise, all of us that didn't know anyway. Um, but that aside, I just started thinking about the racing and, and what I saw at Daytona, and, you know, it, it was a lot of the same things. And, and, you know, the crashes come from aggressive and over-aggressive driving and pushing and, and bump drafting and uh and, and blocking and that that's not going to change at talladega where you have more room to do that and more room to cover and, and trying to make all of that happen so i i can see three wide racing and we didn't that was the one thing that we really didn't see at daytona that we have seen uh recently was was a lot of three wide racing it, it seemed that those cars didn't want to do that that middle didn't seem to be a place that you right. wanted to be that kind of right. took me back to old days as to when if you got put in the middle you know with the the aerodynamics of the older cars and i'm speaking of back in the 90s uh you, you found yourself in a bad spot yeah. uh, you didn't know which way your car was getting ready to go so you basically just had to kind of roll out and try to find a hole to get in and it felt like that you threw out an anchor too uh, uh when you were doing that uh, with no help so yeah. I, but I, I can I can foresee some three wide and, and possibly four wide racing for a number of laps here. And, and so how long can they do that before somebody makes that slight mistake and, and then the contact and then we have big one because they're all going to be right there together uh, except for if you get a few that are going to decide to hang out. But we'll have to see if anybody thinks that's the the proper way to go about it here with it not being you know in the playoffs or anything like that so because you know this is a lot of drivers feel that this is their opportunity yep to go grab that win and be a part of the playoff scenario i mean one would be certainly brad keselowski he probably made the most waves at the yes. Daytona 500 i mean he had a good car but he was involved in a couple of crashes made a few guys mad and he still he, he ran fairly well at bristol dirt but he's still kind of hit and miss most weeks and i'm sure he's looking at this as an opportunity 
like a lot of other guys, you know, Bubba yeah. Wallace and Stenhouse. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it when I thought about it today, but nine races in the season. I mean, we're a quarter of the way through the season. We're uh, almost a third of the way through, or more than a third of the way through the regular season. This is probably going to be the opportunity for a lot of those guys. Yeah, it really is. Um, I- even though we've seen, you know, some first-time winners here, but but we're talking about people now that we haven't seen up really mixing it up other than at Daytona, uh, yeah. you know, and, and uh, you know, in – the three names that you mentioned there with Brad and, and Bubba Wallace uh, and Ricky Stenhouse, they were all right in the mix uh, at Daytona. And they realized, and, of course, this is where, you know, Bubba's win came. And, and so he's got to be feeling like, you know, this is, you know, he's he's ready to, to get get there and, and make this happen again, that this is his, his opportunity. And there's a whole other list of drivers that are in that scenario that believe and realize that, you know, with this car and – this track that this is their chance and and they're willing to take those chances and put themselves in position to try to make this and and you know if you will michael mcdowell you know upset uh, mm-hmm. from the daytona 500 of last year yeah. so uh, you know it's it's highly possible uh that that we could see uh another not just talking about a first-time winner for this year but a first-time <laughs> winner yeah it's certainly been a theme of 2022 and uh we will be watching uh, and listening to Dale Jr. Uh, as part of the Fox <laughs> broadcast this weekend. So something to look forward to. Uh, but always look forward to having our other Dale, Dale Jarrett, join us here on the NASCAR NBC podcast. So thanks for being here, DJ. Absolutely. Our thanks again to Dale Jarrett for joining us on the NASCAR NBC podcast. Thanks to NASCAR NBC producers Emily Conboy and Aaron Feldstein for lining up DJ as our guest. A reminder that we also taped this podcast on camera ahead of NASCAR America Motormouths in our NBC Sports Charlotte studio. Motormouths airs Mondays and Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. And all the Motormouths episodes and clips are on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. You also can find lots more great content and highlights daily, as well as the on-camera version of this podcast. So make sure you visit and subscribe to the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. And a quick programming note, in addition to Motormouths and the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel's daily content, there is Indy 500 testing this week at Indianapolis Motor Speedway on April 20th and 21st. You can catch full coverage from the Brickyard for both sessions Wednesday and Thursday on Peacock Premium. April 20th gets underway at noon Eastern, and April 21st starts at 10 a.m. Eastern. Again, you can stream both full days on Peacock Premium. If you have any NASCAR NBC podcast feedback, you can send it to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Dietz & Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz & Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.